Welcome to another episode of Chapter Chat. My name is Carrie Ebert, and I will be joined by my good friend Mike from Grow Now Therapy. And tonight we are actually going to have a special guest on. So I am super excited about that. So once Mike gets on here, uh, we are going to start the evening by opening the Costco wine advent calendar because I have to do that every night. So let me get Mike on here. I think he is here now. So we're going to go ahead and get our co-host on. So glad you could all join us tonight. There he is. Here we are. Hello, you've got hello. your you've got your wine ready. I do. I, I, I know love we have it. a we have a special edition of the uh, wine advent calendar plus we the do. the recharged cork opener. Yes, it better work this time. I'm telling That's you. That's right. So I'm going to go ahead and get this part out of the way. Is that all right, Mike? Please do. Okay, I'm, so, I'm so excited. This is this is a nice little twist on Chapter Chat. Here. Yeah, if you're uh, not a regular on Chapter Chat, we don't normally have wine uh, opening. But uh, starting December 1st, I do every year the Costco wine advent calendar. So today is the 13th, so I'm going to give it a punch. We're going to see what we got in here today. All right. Oh, yippee. Ooh, we have a us a red, and it's a Merlot, and that's what you're drinking a red. Are you drinking a cab or a Merlot? I, what are you drinking? I think it's a cab, I think. All right. Very good. I'm a big cab remember. fan. So this is from Bulgaria. How awesome is that? Oh, okay. So it's, what from, I all love, over, it's from all over the world. Yeah. I, there are very calendar. few that are from the United States. When I open okay. the wine calendar, they're almost always, I mean, I've had one from South Africa, Portugal. There's been several from France and Italy. So this is what it looks like. It's this huge box. Um, let me set this on the ground now and get this out of the way. So I decided to change my location, Mike. I'm in front of the Christmas tree tonight. Decided to make it kind of festive. So uh, the rest of the family is downstairs getting ready to watch some football. Okay. Um, all right. So we're going to open this baby Look up. At that background too. Look at that tree. Isn't is that a real lovely? tree? Oh, no, no, no. We do the fake tree, but yeah, that, that's, that's our a, one of, that is, that is a nice background there. Well, I like thank that. You. It is one of three trees. I am a little, um, I really like decorating. So we're going to open this baby. One of three trees. Wow. Yes. All right. Here we go. The opener is working. We visualized it, it last week. We went well, through the steps. And did I, did I tell you why it didn't work? Because I left the cork in there. So uh -huh. if there's another cork in there, <laughs> you have to actually shoot that baby out. Nice. Nice. There it is. All right. There you so go. now problem solving. We're gonna give it a pour. Oh, I just love red wine. I'm telling it's you. It's the best. It's the best. Mm -mm -mm. Happy holidays. Happy chat, holidays. Cheers. Yes. Cheers. All right. Let's have a sip. Mmm. Very tasty. Very tasty. This is, is the 12 sweet? generation. No, and I like dry wine. 12 generations Good. Merlot from. Bulgaria. So yes, you're more I'm enjoying of a, it. Uh, you're more of a, a Malbec, right? I love Malbec. Malbec yeah. is my favorite. Um, newly discovered. I've always been a cab girl, um, but I just recently found Malbecs from Argentina, and mm, 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 they What's are the, the big bomb. difference between a Malbec and a cab. You know, I don't know. I wish I had more wine lingo. Like I don't have a lot of wine lingo. I just don't like things that are really sweet. So I like dry. Um, I like oakier more than fruity. You know, I'm finding okay. like, you know, so I'm kind of figuring it out. I'm kind of yeah, a new, yeah. fairly new wine drinker. I mean, I've always kind of liked wine, but anymore, I prefer wine over like beer even. So I just, yeah. yeah I, re so. I remember back in like high school or college, my friend applied to a job at a restaurant. Uh -huh. and they wanted him to, to like memorize all the different types of wine oh, wow. and everything. And this was back when I was like maybe 
20 years old, so I knew uh -huh, nothing. Uh -huh. But I, I was just so fascinated. I was like, man, I, that's something I would love to learn and, and yeah. be able to like be more of a wine connoisseur. So would I, because know? I like wine so much, but I don't have a ton of wine lingo. So I appreciate people like tolerating my novice uh, language when I open my wine wine advent calendar, but I really like it. And you can't tell because perspective, we don't have any, which we're going to talk about perspective taking tonight, but uh, this is yeah. a half bottle of wine. So when you hold okay. it next to a regular bottle, you realize this is about two glasses um, of wine. So for me, it's perfect. I truly enjoy it. So it's not Anyways. bad. A nice, a nice chapter chat treat. I hope everybody, yes. if you're also having a glass of wine with us tonight, please Just share, share what it share is, what you're drinking, where it's from. Let us yep. know. You can We'd also let us know. know. Let us know where you guys are from. Let us know where you're listening. I, I love absolutely. I love when I see how far the reaches of it chapter is chat cool. go. So so let us know if you're in you know New York or California or a different country. Let yep. us know where you're listening from tonight. We love that. We love that. Have you seen is Linda on here yet? Our she came guest? on. She came on. Okay. I saw it so guys, language. we have um our, our so the book that we're reading uh, right now. This is our fourth book in chapter chat. Chapter chat. We started Mike. I think maybe. Over the summer, didn't we? Maybe like June or July, I think, is when we kind of started. So. Yeah. And so uh -huh. this is our fourth book. And what Mike and I do each week is we read one or up maybe two chapters, depending on the length of the chapters, so that you guys don't have to. And then we get together every Monday night and Let's we kind of discuss. Fireball. Look at that. Oh, okay. All right. wow. There you go, chocolate chip. I like it. <laughs> Bowie, Maryland. Yep. Oh, there's oh, good. There's Linda. So Linda um, Murphy is the author of the Declarative Language Handbook, and we are uh, discussing chapters five and six tonight. But I have to tell you what happened last week. We had a phenomenal discussion, and there was yes. some type of a technical glitch. And at right end, at the too. very end, yeah. I mean, we were ready to shut down, and my phone just went bloop, and it just blocked, <laughs> and it lost everything. It didn't give me an option to save. So what I would love to have Linda do, we're going to join her. And I have never actually like talked to her in person. So I'm so excited to get her on here. But I'm going to ask her to just kind of very quickly review Great chapters idea. three and four. Because those were the chapters that we talked about last week. And they're not available for anyone to hear. So let and me I see if I can so add it. I had so many her. people. Like, it, it just warms my up. Of course, I was sad that it didn't, it didn't record. But I, I had so many people be like, hey, I can't. Uh, I, can't, I can't find the episode. Where was it? Where was it? And un unfortunately, because it I didn't know. record on Instagram, we can't make the podcast episode. I know. So a so lot sad. of people noticed there was no podcast episode this week. Uh, so just know. We that, may have hey, to go back, Mike, sometime and just record it. Just you and I, like even without yeah, an audience. And sure. just do it. Because it was sure. so, they were such important chapters. A, yeah. So, Linda, can you request to join? Because I'm not sure how to ask you to join. Can she just, how does she do that, Mike? She, I think she you, just, you can scroll down and just tap on her name. Wherever I did, but nothing, here. yeah, but it, nothing happened. I mean, it came up and it just says, remove from live. I don't want to do that. There should also be like a button on the side where it's, where it's like a plus sign and a camera where she can nope. tap that. Yeah, if she can do that, because I don't have it. I can't. There's definitely a button there she can press. Okay, so Linda, if you can request to join, because it says I have no request to join. If you can do that. And another thing she can do is exit, exit the live and come back. And then it will say request to join at the bottom. Okay, so we'll wait for Linda to do that. Um, Mike, I know we sort of kind of discussed I'm wondering this. how you can join the live. 
I'm using some declarative language there. There we go. I'm wondering. <laughs> I'm, I wonder how we can get Linda on here. I wonder how we can get Linda. <laughs> hmm. So while she's hopefully figuring out how to request to join, what do you think, Mike? Because I've had a lot of people mention how much they love her second book. Oh, yeah. What do you think about just doing this one next as our fifth book, just so that they're kind of back to back? What do you think about that? Let's do it. Let's do okay. it. The code I would like regulation to. piece is huge yeah and there's yeah. there's many many facets to it and other areas to it but with declarative language and co-regulation let's do it you know we, okay. we went through three books uh that was all about education what's wrong with it and then we talked right. about finland the exact opposite and mm -hmm. now going through you know the great work of linda murphy i think we're really giving some people yeah. some, some things they can start doing as part of this grassroots movement. Right. And we've had so much good, great feedback on this book. So, Linda, are you able to figure out how to request to join? She just rejoined as her personal. Oh, so maybe okay. it should say request. As soon as you log into the, to the thing, there's a little thing that says request to join. Let me see here. That's how I do it. As soon as I log yeah. into Zoom, it says request oh, to okay. join. And Cause... then... Um, oh, invite to join. See, I'm just not go. very smart. You so got it. See. see, I had to just keep hitting buttons. All right, Linda, I'm going to find you. But hopefully she's on now. Let's see. She's, she could be on as her personal LK Murphy. Okay. Murphy's Law, huh? Murphy's Law, that's right. Nope, <laughs> I don't see her anywhere, so I'll have to wait for her now. Shoot. Maybe she left until come back. Come back, yeah. Linda. Come back, Linda. We need you, Linda. We need you. <laughs> but man, so, so this is another book, and we can talk to Linda about it. Another book. Every single chapter seems to be about a new executive function skill. It's pretty and awesome. And the phrase executive functioning is not used. Nope, not too I much. I guess we're just nope. talking about it as basic skills. Maybe it's something that, maybe it's a phrase that authors stray away from. I don't maybe. know. I but wonder about really that. Interesting. It's really interesting because every book we've read so far has really honed in on the importance of executive functioning, um, but never really, never mentioned it. Okay. Really I wish I could just text Linda. I forgot to put her number in my phone and just tell her, just join. Now I know how to invite her. But do you see her back on there? I'm just not seeing her. Chocolate chip speechy. I love it. It says, I'm just about to buy it. You are so cute. Um, oh, declarative language says, I don't see a place to join. So if you're on there, Linda, I am going to invite you now. But I just don't see declarative language in my list anymore. I hate these technical issues. I apologize, guys. Yeah, I am. Everyone Let's likes see. to watch us go through these things. Yes, absolutely. Front see, row. you know what we're doing? We're modeling making a mistake. We're Mod modeling that we are go. not perfect. Yep. So yep. are you, okay, Linda, are you on here? Because when I go to add. This is like the first live you and I ever did. Remember that? Oh, it was such a nightmare, Mike. <laughs> and it's all me because I swear I like, I have some. Let me see if I can, well, I think you ho you're hosting it. So I, I can't, I can't invite. But she's just not showing up as anybody who's on with us. So I can't invite her because she's not logged in. Okay. Well, we'll just keep checking here. I think we yeah. should go ahead and get started and hopefully. Linda, if you're there, sign off and sign back in. And then as soon as you log in, you're going to see the words request to join at the bottom. Tap that and come on in. Yep. Okay. So this week, well, real quickly, um, I just want to 
tell you guys that last week we talked about chapter three, which was called Moving Beyond Eye Contact. Oh, and yeah. we had a great discussion about the importance of visual referencing. And it's not about making the discrete skill of making eye contact. It is more about inviting children to look up and observe their environment. And that is what declarative language is, uh, uh, allows us to be able to do, is to simply make comments uh, that allow children to uh, kind of explore and scan and visually reference uh, their environment. And then chapter four, she talked about using episodic memory for problem mm -hmm. solving. And remember how Mike on page 25, she kind of got into this idea that if your episodic memory is weak, then it can lead to some anxiety. Remember how Correct. we talked so much last Correct. week about if I can't remember being in a situation like this, it's really hard for me to predict how this particular situation is going to go, which is why so many of our struggling learners don't really do new. They like to do the same thing, the same exact way. They don't like transitions because if your episodic memory is weak, there's too much anxiety in novel situations, right? Yep. And this is okay, there we... she is. Let me there get you go. her. You got her? Yes, I got her. Beautiful. There's going to be three of us here in a second. It's so exciting. Yeah, here comes our author. This, this is the first three person. I know. Three person chapter chat. It's so exciting. She should be coming. I swear I invited her. Come on. Come on. Let's do it. I keep Having hitting the accept. Author here. This is great. And she loves to talk about her kids and give examples about her kids. So I think this is going to be really, really great for all you chapter chattians out there. We get to chat with the author. Mike, why won't it let me? I keep hitting accept and nothing's happening. <laughs> mm, maybe she's not accepting. Oh, my word. I just, okay, let me invite her myself. Okay, Linda, I actually invited you. So see if you can accept my invite because it's, for some reason, not letting me let you in. Okay. I don't know, Mike, when there's know. three of us, do we have to do anything differently? No, not at all. Okay, okay. Yeah, we, we, can, we can have four people, five people. Oh, it says declarative language is unable to join. Really? I just got a message that said that. Why would now that it be? it says, ah, uh, hmm. Isn't that bizarre? That is very strange. <sighs> okay, all our followers out there who are listening, Google it and see why it wouldn't <laughs> let us join. <laughs> why? I'm going to invite her again. I don't Tell understand. her to try from her personal account. Okay. Let, let's do, well, obviously she can hear me. So, yeah. Linda, let's give it a shot from LK Murphy. Let's try that. I just invited her again, but I don't know. This is really, Unable really able to join. That's really That's what, A big red bar came across the bottom of my phone and said declarative language is unable to join. Hmm. Isn't that odd? Let's try LK Murphy. I did that. Okay. I'm almost there. Almost okay. there. All right, we're gonna we're gonna hey. let's see. This is we're practicing patience, right. delayed gratification. Right. We're, we're moving yes. around. I'm, I'm we excited. are we are we are good. We are good. But yeah. So, so yeah, yeah, we talked about episodic memory and um, how um, saying things like, "Oh, I remember last time when you forgot your homework, we emailed your teacher." Nope, it says declarative language is unable to join. Why is it saying that? That has never happened before, Mike. I just don't even know. So we have someone here. I've been using declarative language and episodic memory for potty training, and it's totally Ooh. working. Oh. My kid hates being told to go, but now I'm trying. It looks like you have to pee. Okay. Oh, okay. I so so there you go. It. Declarative language at work. I, I like it. love it so much. So okay. We're gonna well, it from, we're going to try. Oh, it here we go. 
Yep. Okay. I'm going to try it from LK Murphy. Everybody keep your fingers crossed. Say a little prayer. We would like to get this baby. Started. There we go. We got her. Get out. <laughs> right there. there she we is. Did it. We did it. Linda, it's so nice to meet you. <laughs> nice to meet you too. So uh, nice to have you, Linda. Thank you so much yes. for your time. <laughs> We're so excited. So Do you have any wine with you, Linda? Uh, I, I should. I should have gone to get it. So for everybody's episodic memory, I was trying to join from my computer. Oh, that oh, that's what it was. It has to be your phone. Yeah, yep. but then I had yep. to enable my microphone and my camera because I've never done Instagram live before. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, that's, now you have. See how awesome I have. this is? A little yep. bit of mental flexibility, a yep. little bit of yep. resiliency, and here we are. That's right. I just have to say that I'm just so happy it wasn't my bad because it's almost <laughs> always my bad. So it makes me feel good to know that it wasn't me this time. So we are so honored to have you, Linda. We just appreciate um, this amazing uh, a book that you have written. And we just wondered, since our last chapter chat didn't get saved because of a technical glitch, do you have anything that you would like to share with our listeners about either moving beyond eye contact or using episodic memory for problem solving? Just as kind of a quick, maybe words from the author about those two chapters from last week. Yeah, I think for visual referencing, the most important thing is to not focus on eye contact and understand the dynamic nature of looking and its purpose in terms of communication. Um, and, you know, another thing that I always think is powerful is that when, when we want kids to look at us, it's often for our benefit, not theirs, because we oh. feel better. Like it makes us think that they're paying attention to us. They care about what mm -hmm. we're saying, even though it might not feel comfortable to them at that moment in time. Um, and I, th I feel like recently I've been talking about it in that way with other parents and it really resonates for parents just to hear um, that eye contact is for me, not, not necessarily what's best for the child. But, but I do think as people are able to reframe eye contact as visual referencing and a dynamic communicative skill it really changes everything that you do so powerful yeah. uh, as a parent of an autistic child obviously this term eye contact is something that my gosh i mean my son is 17 and it's been something professionals have been discussing you know for 15 years of his life is lack of eye contact lack of eye contact lack of eye contact and uh visual referencing is uh, one of my new favorite terms, I also, uh, I know that now that we follow each other on social media, so I'm sure, Linda, you notice that almost every day I do a post <laughs> and it includes the term declarative language, declarative language. So <laughs> I just appreciate so much that I now have this term uh, that I can use that helps explain, because I've always said things like, uh, life is not a quiz. We don't need to quiz the child. What color is it? How many are there? What shape is it? What does a dog say? And so being able to say, instead of pressuring the child, we now have a term that is called declarative language. So I just wish uh, I would have had this information in grad school. I would have been a totally <laughs> different clinician uh, over the past 26 years. So thank you so much. Yeah, and I, well, and I also, yeah, yeah, yeah go ahead. I, I just want to say thank you to you both so much for just giving it this attention and this audience, um, because I've been talking about declarative language for a long time, and I just, um, you have this awesome platform, and it's been really exciting to hear and notice how many people think the same way we do, because sometimes I feel, I have my colleagues who think exactly like I do, but at other times we feel really alone because mm -hmm. it's very behavioral, 
A lot of yes. the school systems where we are are very behavioral, so we can feel like mm. we're just a small voice out there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so I just want to thank you both so much for giving it this platform and attention. It's really, really, really exciting. So. Well, it is our honor to be, I mean, truly it, it is. And I just have to thank Mike for introducing me to it. Uh, and so it has, he has uh, mentioned the book uh, multiple times while yep. reading our first three books. And I finally just said to him, can <laughs> we just do the declarative language handbook as our next book, please? Because yeah, he just sure. kept referencing it. So that just tells you how powerful it is. And uh, Linda, I just have to say, I appreciate your writing style um, as a, an author myself. I really appreciate that it is easy to digest, that it isn't like where you feel like you need a thesaurus to read it. You know, it is, and it's so, it makes so much sense. Like you read a page and I mean, the amount of highlighting I do on every page and circling and jotting down notes. And what is so funny to me is that Mike and I, when we show each other our pages, yep. we almost always have the same thing either circled or highlighted. And yet Mike and I don't ever talk about what we're going to discuss at a yeah, chat. So yeah. no, it's pretty, it's pretty powerful. What were you going to say, Mike? Yeah. So, were you going to say uh, something? Just overall, I definitely have to give a, a big shout out to uh, Ryan Wexelblatt, the ADHD dude. Uh, he did a, a live with you uh, probably over a year ago now. Oh, okay. uh, and that's really what introduced me to, to your work. Uh, it was a fantastic live and it was just, you know, when I'm here. Good. So, so oh, when, when, you're, yeah. when you're, when you work on executive functioning, it's really some high level stuff. So I'm working with kids on developing their visual imagery and their self-talk and their self-regulation and their self-motivation. And parents are always saying, what can I do to carry over what you're doing in the clinic? What can I do? What can I do? And sometimes you, you don't want to overwhelm <laughs> them. You really don't want to overwhelm them and give them so much like, Tell him to visualize, tell him to talk to himself, do this, model this, model that. Mm -hmm. But the use of declarative language is a true game changer. Yep. And there's time, I, I, I always tell this story. I was talking about declarative language in a training I was doing recently. And the mom literally texted her son during the presentation. I wonder how you're going to feel at lunch tomorrow. And instead of him saying, leave me alone mom and or ignoring her text and waiting until she packed his lunch he thought hmm that's a good question and for the first time ever he went and packed his own lunch so it's just it's absolutely amazing how declarative language just goes hand in hand with yep. executive functioning and executive functioning is this independence we want kids to be able to use their visual imagery and declarative language triggers visual imagery it yep. triggers independence and you said it you said it beautifully linda uh in terms of the eye contact we make it more about us and not about the kid and we think about that you know the goal of all therapy the goal of all education is to make the child more independent and if we're yep. setting goals and doing things to have the kids please us when yeah. it's really about them developing their skills that's a really, really fascinating way to put it. Like in terms of eye contact, is it to make us feel better as adults, right. as powerful adults? Or what can we do to equip, equip them with the skills so they're successful? Yep, yep. It's really extremely, extremely powerful. I, I had never really thought about that though, Linda, that when professionals or adults try to force eye contact, it's to try to meet some social norm, some social yeah. acceptance of what we... Um, and that's what I love so much is this idea that we need to view 
the world through the child's perspective sometimes instead of assuming that our adult view of the world is the only and the correct view of the world because we know that that can't possibly uh, be so. So I just very much appreciate the term visual referencing. I think that it is extremely powerful uh, in helping children look up because the way I described my son Aaron um, for many, many years was that he was in the autism bubble. And what I really felt like is that he didn't see past what was right in front of him. So he wasn't visually scanning. So he didn't remember, Mike, I told you, I don't even think he knew he had two sisters until he was yeah. like five years old mm -hmm. when they were standing side by side. And he was like, holy crap, there's two of you. And he like gave them separate names. And that was when I had this realization, oh my gosh, he's been in this bubble for so long because he was so dysregulated, you know? And so uh, visual referencing, beautiful term. Um, and then you went on in chapter four to talk about the importance of that episodic memory. And when you don't have it, the idea of having to do something new causes great anxiety, right? What, what do you want to tell us about? What are your yeah. thoughts, Linda, on chapter four? Yeah, and I do want to give one shout out. Like I learned of these concepts during my training for RDI, Relationship Development Intervention. Like I didn't yep. learn this in grad school to be a speech therapy. But oh, okay. once I learned these concepts, you know, it changed everything and how I approach kids and, and um, think about, you know, my interactions with them. But to go back to episodic memory, um, you know, again, it's this concept that just really resonates for our kids. It just, you know, we know novelty is hard and it doesn't matter how similar it might seem to them. If any aspect of it is novel, it feels novel and they might not know what to do or go into fight or flight. Fight or flight, um, yes. And episodic memory is what allows us to see the patterns it allows us to see similar but different. So I'm entering a new situation that's, that's new to me today, but certainly there's past experiences that have similarity or match the pattern in some way. And because my episodic memory is strong, I can pull that and it, and it helps me navigate that situation in the here and now. But if someone's episodic memory is weak, it's you panic because it feels sure. completely novel. Yeah, just to give so. an example, I went into doing some some holiday shopping and went into a store I'd never been in before. And I was like, gee, I really hope I can find the, the public restroom. So I relied on my episodic memory to go. Usually it's at the back of the store and it's usually in one of the corners. So, you know, just my idea of this is where it is in other stores. So I immediately start looking and using visual, you know, referencing to try to locate it. But had I not had good episodic memory, there would be a panic. Like, oh my gosh, I have to go to the bathroom. I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm just going to go home. Right. So I think mm -hmm. that might be what some people with very poor episodic memory might do. So it's really interesting when we, and what I love so much over and over, Linda, what you talk about is how we as adults need to talk out loud about what yep. we are thinking about. We need to talk about when we make a mistake. We need to talk about when we're relying on episodic memory. So you have some key phrases that you use. And a lot of times <laughs> you you talk about them in regards to your own children. Like, I remember last time, or I wonder what would happen if, or remember when we, so I really like those uh, declarative language statements that aren't demanding that the child do something and they're not quizzing or questioning the child that demands a right or wrong response. So I just, I, I'm very, um, very passionate about your wording. Yeah. I think it's extremely Thank powerful. You. Yeah, and even just a tip, like as you get used to this language, like always remember to phrase it as a as an invitational comment. I remember this. Let's remember together versus 
do you remember or what do you remember? Because then yeah. that puts the demand back on oh, okay. the child. So it's an invitational comment. Is that what you called it? Yeah. And I even last week you were talking, you were using, you were repeating the words invitation and guide or invite yep. and guide, mm -hmm. invite and guide. And that's exactly what it is. You invite them to remember with you. If they so don't, let's it's okay. Remember. Yeah. Let's, let's remember, remember last time what yeah. we did when we played that game or let's remember who went first or let's remember next right. time we play that Johnny right. went first. So right. next time we'll remember that Joey gets to go first. Yeah. 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 And it's then kind of, the, yeah. the piece powerful. too that can be powerful is then we hold that memory for the future opportunity that we see the child. So for example, a child wants to do something, say in a speech therapy session and we run out of time, then I will say, you know what? I will remember that for next time that this is important to you. And then I will bring that to the next session. I'm not going to say, you know, I might say I'm, I might say I'm wondering if you remember what you wanted to do, but I, I also might just say, I remember you really wanted to play that game and we didn't have time, but we do have time now. So let's do it. Um, because then you're just showing them how, um, you know, we don't have to be upset about what we can't do today because there'll be a future opportunity, but right. it's our modeling and our, our carrying forward of, their narrative, their memories, their plans, things that are important to them that help them trust that future planning. Or Mike, as you would say, it helps them begin to, they can truly um, visualize the future because you have come to show them how it is realized. You know, they might forget and then they probably will. And that's why it's really powerful when we remember for them. It just really strengthens that trust. And, and it's how you know, we can model the use of declare yeah. I mean, how we can model mm -hmm. that skill is right. without pressuring the child. We're modeling our use of episodic memory and, right. and hopefully building that skill, you know, in the child as well. So, yeah. And yeah. we, you know, and we definitely hear kids say that when we run out of time and we've gone through this process, then they might say, well, maybe we can do it next time. And we'll say, absolutely. Yes. We can. <laughs> that is a great idea. I will help yes. you remember. I and this whole that. and this whole concept of episodic yeah. memory is huge. Episodic memory is really something that needs to be taught at the graduate school level for educators, OTs, PTs, everybody. Without mm -hmm. episodic memory, there's no language, there's no executive functioning. It's the whole concept of communication, of success, mm -hmm. of growth, of independence. It's just think, think about language acquisition and how important episodic memory is, even in terms of object permanence and uh, all the other, uh, the, the, the such important pre-language milestones we have. It's all about developing this episodic memory. It's how we were able to tell stories. Think about language, you know, in its most primitive form. It's just telling stories and sharing ideas and taking a thought that's in my head and putting it in someone else's head. It's all episodic memory. And I, and the number one thing I'm always telling parents, if you want your child to speed up their process of building executive functioning, of speeding up that EFDD, that EF delay, is we have got to get them in varied experiences, more and more and more experiences, because <laughs> it goes hand in hand now, ADHD, executive function delays, screen addiction, screen addiction, screen addiction, Excessive small, screen time. small yep. tiny <laughs> little comfort zones. And when we introduce them to more things, this is when we build self-worth, self-confidence, competence, confidence, the, the, what I refer to as the competence, confidence loop, where they start it to feel is. more. It, that's exactly what it is. And it's all about episodic memories. They start to be able to see themselves 
being successful in at, the future at one thing two things three things five things and then it instead comes time, of it, i only yep. do good at video games i'm and good at video games time for them to start something new and they have a bank of memories in their head of all the things they tried they were scared at first they weren't good at first but mm -hmm. they have memories in their head of them persevering and now it's one mm -hmm. of their innate hobbies and it's yeah. all the ability to hold that image in mind and this is really you know the great work of dr russell barkley the ability to hold an image in mind and manipulate it is the number one thing that separates human beings from animals. Our ability to keep memories, hold memories, and feel them, sense them, hear them, see them, smell them, everything. It's, episodic memory is not just a picture in your head. It's the ability to re-image the relevant past. And Think to feel about the sensory what, experiences. And to, sen and to sense it and yeah. to feel it and to use that information you know, to your benefit. Yeah. It's fascinating, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Absolutely fascinating. Yeah. Somebody has been commenting that she's been, since listening, she's been using declarative language while potty training her toddler. And she said, what a difference it has made. Instead of saying, you need to go potty, you need to go sit on the toilet, it's time to go. She just made another comment. She said, sorry to make so many references to potty training, <laughs> but I loved her comment. She said, I just said to him, I remember how upset you were last time your pants were wet. And she said he immediately ran to the bathroom and didn't nice. fuss, didn't See? like refuse. Linda, you're changing lives. You are changing. <laughs> I mean, seriously. You're, like, you're making potty training easier for family. Like now we need to make a declarative language potty training handbook. Okay. Like, I, <laughs> That'd be great. That'd be great. So uh, yeah, it is so exciting. And that's why, you know, Mike and I have kind of, we talk every now and then like, should we just make this a podcast or should we keep doing it as a live? And tonight when we talked about it, Mike made a great comment that we really like the interactiveness of having yes. a live, that if we just did a podcast, we would have never heard that comment from the mom who said, uh, declarative language works when potty training, you know? So yep. um, it is pretty neat to get your guys's feedback and um, all that great information. And, so, all the great, and, and all the great people that are, you know, the, the Allison Moltons and the Carols and the Kelly yes. Knights and all yes. and everyone who's, you know, constantly every week. here. Every week, like, yes. You people are, you get, you, you're the ones that get me, get me up in the morning. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So what do you think if we go ahead and start uh, talking about chapter five? And this chapter, uh, Linda, was called Appreciating Different Opinions. And I just have to say, in this world that we live in, mm -hmm. man, is this an issue. Because it seems like nobody can have a discussion with someone else if we differ in how we feel about things, right? It seems like it's a personal attack. Oh, well, if you disagree with me, whether it's about politics or religion or vaccines, then all of a sudden we can't be friends, right? We can't, we're not allowed to uh, uh, communicate if we have different opinions. So I have to say, this is a chapter that I wish every single American would read. And I mean that in the most oh. sincere way. It is four pages long. If I, you know, four <laughs> double pages, so eight pages. If I could just get everybody to just read this one chapter, That's I right. feel like it would change the perspective of how we view our fellow Americans, because I think there are some real issues um, that have been going on for many years. So I have to say so far, while this entire book has been extremely powerful, this has been, I think, one of the chapters that I feel is the most relevant for everybody, not just kids who are struggling learners. So I really appreciate this, this chapter. chapter right here is super important. They should start printing this chapter on those <laughs> CVS receipts. So everybody, yeah. every oh. single person can have them. So because the, 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 the CVS receipts yeah. are like 19, 19 feet long. <laughs> exactly. So, so the way, the way I look at it is basically every single chapter here is kind of discussing one distinct executive function skill. 
So chapter three, moving beyond eye contact to visual referencing is basically situational awareness and the ability, like those sorts of things. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, and then in the next one, episodic memory, nonverbal working memory and visual imagery mm -hmm. here, appreciating different opinions, perspective taking skills. Oh, and, such then an important and then skill. chapter five, making mistakes is okay, is mental flexibility and resilience. Yep. So yep. It, it's, it's a really, really, um, it's just like Carrie said it best. It's so easy to digest yeah. because of how great you broke up these chapters. So easy to read and you yeah. make each one about a different skill. Yeah. So Linda, why don't, since we have you on here, since we're so lucky to have you on here, why don't you tell us a little bit about appreciating different opinions and what you think are the most important points from this chapter? Yeah. So, so I think, you know, we're always wanting to work on perspective taking with the students that we work with, but I think what I realized is that we can't start with perspective taking, like you can't start with what does so-and-so think, or what do you think I think, or... Mm -hmm. How because, often is that used, though, in, in social yeah. skills mm -hmm. groups? How often do you mm -hmm. hear that? Yeah. The first thing is, oh, what are they thinking? What are they thinking? Right. Because mm -hmm. I think when you ask that, you're placing a language demand, but then you're also placing a demand on perspective taking, and you just get all sorts of defenses going up when, in fact, the child might not even be comfortable exploring other opinions. Mm. And I found that it's just been really powerful to, to go way, way, way back and just help kids be present and share space with somebody who thinks different. Because I love that's that. where, share space. Yeah. Co-regulation. Co oh, share because space. that's where yeah, I yeah. think that's where their very first difficulty might be is just thinking that if somebody thinks something different than them, then they're enemies, for example, mm -hmm. right. or something like that. Um, elaborate, or that there has to be a right or wrong. Space. Talk more about how we want them to share space. That's yeah. a great term. Because so, I, have it, I have it circled. <laughs> See there, we yep. can share space. It's one of yep. the things I didn't just underline. I felt yeah. the need to put it in a box. So yeah, tell us what you mean by that. So what I mean by that is just... Um, <laughs> Well, in practice, that's probably easier for me to say. I might just notice when I have differences with kids that I work with or other adults in the room and just comment on the fact that there is difference mm -hmm. without judgment or without any, judgment. Or, yeah, or any further language, really, or any other demand. It might just be something like, wow, we think differently about that. Or, huh. So with little kids, since I work with toddlers, mm -hmm. I notice that when I go into like a daycare, I might say something like, oh, um, you're wearing boots and I'm wearing, I'm wearing tennis shoes or, you know, or I'm wearing flip flops and you're wearing sandals. Even just pointing mm -hmm. out those just basic things that we dress differently, you know, all of that, because it is important for kids to start recognizing we're not all the same. And the beauty is not in our sameness. The beauty is really in our differences. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think if you just start to comment on the differences without further language demands and just followed by that silence that I know you talk about a lot too, Carrie, mm -hmm. um, it just gives kids opportunities to process it, to be comfortable with it, and then ultimately to become curious about it. Yep. Um, because it's, you know, we don't want to make kids memorize or come up with an answer about what other people think. Like really at the heart of it is you want them to be curious about other people's experiences, yes. um, knowledge, wisdom, memories. Um, so I think just when you share space with different opinions and comment, 
you're just planting seeds of curiosity. You're just giving beautiful, giving everyone permission to just be curious about other people's experiences. And that's where, and then the rest will grow. It really will yeah. grow. But if the curiosity is not there, it might not, then it's a demand. Right. That's not on page, on page 32 is probably my favorite quote from this book. As we find our mutual connections, it feels comfortable, but as we discover interesting differences, it helps us grow. I just, I, I that's so profound, Linda. I mean, because again, the beauty and the magic is not really in our similarities. I mean, the beauty and the magic really lies in our differences mm-hmm. and how we are drawn to each other sometimes because of the fact that we think differently and we dress differently and we act differently. And we want to really capitalize that as a parent of an autistic child, having a neurodivergent child. I mean, this is one of my major platforms, you know, that I am I'm, I'm trying to focus on uh, here on social media is that um, just because someone someone is different doesn't make them less, right? That we should be accepting of all human beings, regardless of if they are neurotypical or neurodivergent. So obviously, um, from my perspective, this is extremely important that we start teaching very young children that it is okay to be different and that there is beauty in differences and that we need to allow for some silence for other people to share their perspective about things. And then we don't need to feel defensive if it's different from how we feel. Right. And I think that defensive nature, and you talk about that on page 31, that what happens is, um, uh, you know, if as a result, kids may become defensive and instead of being open to our viewpoint, they dig in their heels. How often does that happen? (laughs) They dig in their heels even more. And the result, if you're a parent, you know, this, the result is conflict and negative exchanges as views diverge. This is not what we want. Fortunately, there is a better way. And you talk about, I mean, your language is just to die for. We need to create a positive backdrop so that kids do not feel threatened when others have a different opinion, thought, or feeling. And one thing, one thing that Linda does an incredible job of is she's constantly highlighting this fight, flight, freeze response. Every and that is, that is yep. so important because, you know, that's what's happening internally. And just like with executive functions, People want to look at hyperactivity and inattentiveness and these external symptoms when it's really internal, the internal skills. And that's what's happening internally, a fight, flight, freeze response, but it's interpreted externally by parents and educators alike as noncompliance or-, or It's interpreted, Mike, as bad behavior. Bad and this behavior. is what exactly. I have had enough of in yep. our field is- I get DMs all the time. So I have this four-year-old and he's non-compliant in therapy. I have this four-year-old and he's, he's stubborn, he's bratty, he won't comply. I'm like, what are we doing? I mean, we don't talk about children as being non-compliant. There is clearly something that we are doing to cause this dysregulation, to cause this child to feel threatened, to cause this child to need to feel into go, to go into defensive mode. And so once again, if we can follow Linda's recommendations and remove the pressure and instead of using imperative language, you know, and and that language that is highly directive and forces um, a response, whether it's verbal or nonverbal, you know, an action, but when it forces a response where the child can be correct or incorrect, instead of doing that, we have this beautiful Mm -hmm. um, option of using declarative language that allows us to connect with the child instead of push them away and create this negative interaction and relationship that causes the child want to avoid us at all costs. I mean, and it's when we're, just and when we're working beautiful. with a child, when we're trying to increase 
their social network and have them, you know, introduce them to other peers and those sorts of things, that fight flight response goes off. And what's the first thing they always say? We have nothing in common. We have nothing in common. We have nothing in common. But that's really just that fight, flight, freeze response mm -hmm. of avoidance, of having a void. Okay, it's a lot easier for me to be alone with my screens, alone with right. my games, in my comfort zone. When I have to bring somebody else, it's anxiety producing for many reasons. And probably the top reason is the lack of episodic memories of being successful with various peers. Mm -hmm. uh, so, you know, they may say we have nothing in common, we have nothing in common, but it's really this lack of true perspective taking and the ability to understand and appreciate different opinions. And you say it beautifully in here, it's discovering interesting differences by yep. that help us to grow and develop relationships. Because that's really what it is. Think, think about the best relationships in your life. And it's, I guarantee you it's someone you have more different with than in common with. Hmm. Yeah. Linda, I want you to definitely talk to us about this, but I have to tell you the last thing I'm going to say about this, I'm going to let you talk is on page 32, I wrote three words off to the side because these are probably my three <laughs> favorite words in the, in the chapter. I want you to notice out loud. I couldn't love that anymore. What a beautiful description of what declarative language is. Mm -hmm. Notice out loud loud so when you think something in your brain tell us linda what that's going to look like when people <laughs> notice out loud um well yeah just all the thoughts that you have just to get comfortable saying them out loud because the because kids don't know that we have those thoughts or that's how we're problem solving internal language right internal mm -hmm. language yeah um yeah, and by us narrating, we then help them develop that. Or, or another cool. thing I, I think about sometimes is, you know, when kids are young and developing just the early stages of language, we know how important it is to model language so they learn to talk. But then as we get further along, this is what we're doing. We're modeling language so they know how to think and problem solve and reason. Um, That's but brilliant. people stop doing that. Yeah. <laughs> modeling language so they learn how to think. Think. Linda, that's what it is. You are that's exactly what it is. That's a, and, and by think, and the word think is very vague. By think, she mm -hmm. means using your nonverbal and verbal working memory skills. Because like in the past, mm -hmm. it was impulsivity. It was hyperactivity. It was inattentiveness. It was just responding to a stimulus instantly. But what it really is, is thinking like you're talking about processing the visuals, processing the self-talk, and then responding to the stimuli. That's what it is. That's what it is 100%. And we see our kids who are impulsive, who make poor decisions over and over and over again. It's because they don't stop, visualize, and talk to their brain and talk to their brain coach. That's it. And in order to stop, Mike, you have to have that impulse control, right? Well, you have to be able to say, okay, I'm going to take a breath here. I'm going to pause. Yep. I'm not going to speak or act because that's impulsivity. And that's one of those executive function skills, right? Uh, inhibition, being able to <laughs> stop yourself in the moment and actually breathe and, and be able to process. I just, mm. I have and, a, is. And, and there's no better way to do it than to model. Uh, there's, you know, like uh, Sarah Ward has her mind mime where you act it out and you, pr and you practice it in, in real terms and those sorts of things, which is amazing, but it's all about modeling. And the more that parents can model their internal language, you know, like just standing in the room, talk to themselves out loud. And it's going to take some time for the kids to get used to it, but it, it really puts you on where you're talking to yourself and you're figuring it out.
Linda, what do you think? Does it take, um, do you find there's kind of a learning curve for adults to, to use oh, this type yeah. of, mm-hmm. talk yeah, to us a little bit I about that. You, well, you both have been talking about this a lot that it's, it's, you know, I always say it's not a quick fix. Um, a colleague of mine recently said it, you're playing the long game or she put it in the chat last week. And I really appreciate that. Um, and Mike, you talk a lot about how it's just, you have to keep with it. You have to stick with it. It's not an immediate shift. Um, it takes time. I think, um, you know, we as adults get more comfortable with it. So that helps. We also see how it unfolds. We see how it works. So the more we see that happen, the more trust we have in keeping keeping it going and not being phased when it doesn't work in the moment. Like, you know how right. to navigate. Because or... nothing works 100% right. of the time. Are we in agreement with that, that, you know, yeah. this is a tool um, but I think like that mom who was on here about potty training, I mean, she's now gung ho because guess what? She's experienced success. So is she more likely to give it a go in the future? Well, of course, because we know that confidence breeds competence. I mean, that's one of my favorite sayings is confidence breeds competence. And so when you have a little bit of success, you feel more confident. And when you're more confident, you're willing to take more risks, right? You're willing to try it again. So, um, yeah, that's powerful. Powerful yeah, statements. can I give you a recent example, though, because this happened in the past week? Please do. My children, I'll talk about them. <laughs> so my younger son, I just wrote a post on this last week, but he's been very into checkers lately, which mm-hmm. is such a good activity on, on oh, so yeah. many different levels. Um, and my younger son is better at it right now than my older son. So my older son, you know, he's not as interested in playing because it's <laughs> because he keeps losing. Uh-huh. So he, he and I played as a team, like we were partners. And, um, and, and so, you know, I just modeled my language of thinking as we were playing. And okay. I noticed, his, you know, his tendency is to move impulsively without looking. And so I said to them, I'm like, you know, that's part of the problem is you're impulsive and you don't stop to look around the board like your brother does. Um, and, you know, you and again, like you don't know what's going in. You just say it and hope you're planting some seeds and all that. So then yesterday I came into the house and the two of them were playing checkers. And my older one said, yeah, I'm kind of impulsive with my moves. Wow. <laughs> so, so he internalized that. He's recognizing about, it. Yeah, he's recognizing it. And, um, and I think maybe he said, can I do that over? I know that sometimes I move impulsively. So, but that's a so great that only way, took like a couple also, days. <laughs> that's also so powerful for a child to... Yeah. label their actions and label mm-hmm. their behaviors instead of internalizing Aren't we getting it. into metacognition right. and, there a little bit? There you go. Yeah. Instead, instead of just saying, oh, I hate this game. I'm not good at this game. I'm bad at checkers. I'm this, right. I'm that. And the negative I don't want to play anymore. Okay. Yeah. I'm, a little, yeah. I'm a little impulsive. I make choices too quickly. It's something <laughs> I need to work on. That right there is the growth mindset. Yeah. And can I just say, Linda, I'm so tickled that you brought this up because people often ask me if as a parent, what's one thing that you could say that we could do at home, you know, since I have an Mm -hmm. autistic son um, and I, every time I say the same thing, play board games and play card games. I am telling you the, um, we have, when we bought our new house, um, I said, I always joke that this house was built for us because down in the lower level, you open these two doors and it is a game closet like it's just shelves you know but they're narrow and so all of our board games stack in there i we do puzzles jigsaw puzzles and games so i have a game and puzzle closet i'm like this house was totally built for me because we have 
always used games as a way to teach our son um, how to patiently wait his turn. Um, obviously, you can't win every time. So you learn about, you know, being a graceful loser, if you will, and not getting mm-hmm. upset. But also just we pick games that require, um, like Mankela. Do you know that game? It's got little, um, yeah, yeah. like a little almost like rocks, you know, gems, if you will. But you have to think three, four, five moves ahead because the goal is to be able to move them so they end up in that in that last uh, area where you get to keep them then. Otherwise, you have to keep going around the board. So it requires um, you to not be impulsive. So Mankela is a great game for impulsive kids, right? Because just like checkers is, and as kids get older, chess, you know, kind of falls into that. Um, Stratego is only for two people, yeah. but that's a great game to play where you have a parent and a child on a team versus maybe an older child or another parent and a child, you know, another adult. Because Stratego, I mean, I'm telling you, you have to mm-hmm. think like at least five moves ahead because you're trying to protect your flag so it doesn't get stolen. So for us, those board games, I mean, every year at the holidays and every year for birthdays, that's what we get. I'll even say Uno for younger kids. It teaches mental flexibility, right? Because are you matching color? But sometimes you can match number. And then it forces you to be a flexible thinker because if there's a wild card played. So even Uno is one of those games that, oh my gosh, if you want to know how to help your kids at home to develop executive function skills, Mm -hmm. I promise you, it is not in screen time, okay? It is in board games and card games. Uh, And so there are so many amazing options out there. So I love that you brought up checkers, Linda. Yeah. (laughs) And I think we definitely have to discuss the opinion grid. Uh, Oh, the opinion (laughs) grid. And look, I wrote, we need to make one. That's what I put, make (laughs) one with an arrow. Tell us about the opinion grid. Yeah, well, all you need is a a piece of paper and a pencil. But um, so basically, sometimes we do these activities in groups where we just give kids opportunities to share their opinions about something. Sometimes it can be helpful if it's um, like sensory related. So essential oils, music, maybe a taste if that's if that works, Mm -hmm. but also something that maybe they don't yet have experience with. So they don't have a preformed opinion to dig their heels in about. But if they do, that's totally okay, too. Um, and we've just found, so, so for example, we have essential oils. And we pass one around one at a time and let them smell it. And then you just jot down, you know, the child's reaction. So it doesn't have to be black and white, like, don't like. It could be more like, ooh, yuck, or, yep. you know, yeah. So this person said, love it. Mm, nice. I'm not sure. Yum. Or it's and there's okay. No right, there's no right or wrong answer. And that's what's beautiful about opinions, right? And I think that shows, and I love that you put that in this chapter, that it shows that we're not all the same. If we were all the same, the world would be such a boring place. So the Mm -hmm. fact that you like the way lavender smells and somebody else doesn't, that's okay. That doesn't make you less than or better than or worse than. And I just really think we're in an era where we are trying to teach acceptance, right? We are, Mm -hmm. we are in a movement, if you will, of, of acceptance, of accepting people who look different, accepting people who act different. So I just, that's why I think I'm so in awe of chapter five, because appreciating different opinions is something that so many adults need to work on, you know, let alone worrying about what our children are doing. So I think if we as adults can start focusing on this chapter and what you're talking about, it will translate over to raising a generation of children who are accepting of people who think differently. And it means we don't have to get defensive and, and, you know, fight about it. Um, I have one other example, if it's okay if I share, Please just as a do. parent, yeah. that I think is helpful. Um, 
So, you know, anytime you ask your child to do something and then they might argue back because they don't want to do it, for example. No. <laughs> so I think it can be really easy to get into arguing with your child in that situation. So when I'm at my best, I just take their complaint or their argue and I just say, you know, I understand you feel that way, but we think differently about this. So, <laughs> so when you're ready, I am going to need you to do X, Y, and Z, or, you know, I might not necessarily take the language that, that far, but I'll just let them have their feelings that they don't agree or they don't like maybe what I'm asking them to do. So you're acknowledging um, that mm -hmm. we don't agree on this, but I'm still yeah. the parent. Is it that kind of thing? Yeah, like, so I'm yeah. still going to expect you to do it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I might not go that quickly to I'm going to expect mm -hmm. you to do it. It kind of depends on where they're at, but I think sure. just acknowledging and holding their feelings and not feeling like you have to make them see your side. It's, you can just hold, hold that and let them hmm. have, have those feelings of not liking what you're asking them to do. <laughs> that know? it's okay to not like it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like I, I might say something like that. Like, I, I know you don't like that. And this is, that's okay. You don't have to like huh. what I'm asking you to do. It's okay. That huh. you, you know, so that's it just, it because what do most people do? Argue, I think. What would most people do? I said, you need, you know, I, it yeah. doesn't matter what you think. I, yeah. Because I said so, right. right. That kind of a, a thing. Exactly. Which, right. Interesting. Yeah. So fascinating. <laughs> and what I love, Linda, is this yeah. is not even a book about like, disciplining your kid and yet that's kind of what you're talking about is you know mm -hmm. when instead of getting in a fighting match just use declarative language and say yeah. I understand that you don't like that I understand that you don't want to clean your room you know I understand that we don't think the same way about that I right. that's so powerful right and mm -hmm. yeah and I would say you know it's definitely easier to use declarative language with my clients than it is with my kids so that's where I get oh isn't that practice. the truth yeah. <laughs> I love what this so. person said. You can be angry and still empty the dishwasher. That's true. Yeah. I'm, I'm angry every time I do Exactly. Oh, golly. Okay, that's fun. That's fun. Yes. Um, what's the name of the book? I came on late. The book is called Declarative Language Handbook. And we just got through chapter five, and we are probably going to call it good for tonight. Um, so next week, we will definitely, you know, Linda, I don't know what you're doing on Monday nights, but Mike, if you're good yeah. with it, I would love to have her back. I mean, as many weeks until we're done as you want to join us, oh, it is such an honor to have you on here. It just makes the conversation oh. so much deeper to hear it from the author's perspective, mm -hmm. because obviously when Mike and I talk, you know, we're interpreting it from, you know, our perspective. So what yeah. do you think, Mike? Wouldn't um, it be great to have her back? I think this is awesome. I love this, you know, doing this together. We've tried to do it with some of our previous authors, but none, none of them are as, as cool and as gracious as Linda. <laughs> yes. Uh, You're the but... coolest author so far. So <laughs> that's I just right. know that's that. Right. But, but, this is, but this is just, I, I know that every single person who listens to this live and then listens to it on the podcast, which is a worldwide phenomenon taking the world by storm. Mm -hmm. So uh, it's just really incredible uh, to share this information in these two chapters, you know, a chapter, you know, yeah, uh, we're only going to get through that one chapter. We're going to do chapter yeah. six next week. Is that good, Absolutely. Mike? Cause it's Let's too important it. to try to throw it in, in five mm -hmm. minutes because it's about making mistakes. And I, think, yeah. I have to say we live in an era where people don't, tolerate mistakes where there's an expectation of perfection and that is why there is so much anxiety in childhood today and i am not willing to uh, just buzz through that so i think we need to oh, yeah. really dig deep into mm -hmm. chapter six mike somebody asked us if we'll be meeting on twelve twenty-seven. i mean i'm certainly available are you or are you traveling right. let's do twelve twenty-five. 
Uh, yeah, two reasons. <laughs> I love it. So no, we will continue to do our Mondays. I just looked at my schedule and I have us for, I mean, I don't have any Mondays that I have blocked off or anything. So Linda, are you available next Monday? I should ask you. Yeah, next me. Monday. Definitely. You Thank are? Thank you so much. I really appreciate you having this me. This is and now I know thing. I have to log in on my phone. Yeah. I have to get oh, my one. Your episodic memory will be will be very helpful. Um, yeah. And do you see, Linda, how people are saying she's the coolest? You are the coolest. I mean, I just feel honored. I feel like, um, yes. And make sure you buy. If you're going to Amazon to buy a declarative language, you need to go ahead and buy co-regulation because we're going to go ahead and do this book next because Ooh. it just makes sense that we do them back to back. So I have, again, this is all new for me. Mike had read this book. Mike, have you yep. read this one? yet oh of course yep oh of yep. course so it's not new for mike it is all new for yep. me linda which is why i'm like so giddy because when <laughs> i i i have all these books one of my old neighbors she has given me a book she's like i want you to read this it's like a christmas book you know and i'm like oh i'm yep. gonna get to it but i can't put this down enough to read a book for pleasure because for me this is my joy so <laughs> um linda you are a blessing to our yeah. field and i have had several people i i wish i i should have like wrote their names down tell me that they actually had you as a clinical supervisor would that be right or as mm -hmm. a professor where do you no. where are you at i'm in uh north of boston oh, so in beverly massachusetts yeah but okay. there's um there's quite a few speech therapy programs here and we take students all the time at our practice so That's yeah great. i love students i love having students there's it's like, so yeah, amazing so so yeah I. we have so I, much I love, to learn I, from them I love too externs and cfys it's and when you guys agree yeah. that i don't know how far into your profession you are i'm 26 years in and i never stop learning and it is amazing yeah. to me that we can be in a field where after 26 years we're not like oh it's so boring i mean i just right. think our field is so i mean mike until i met you what a year and a half go maybe we're going close to two years now I didn't even really know what executive function was yeah, and now yeah. it's like my new like I, it's all I spew about oh, is yeah. EF 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 and now even declarative me, yeah. language I'm like it's just it's amazing I mean I, I just an executive functioning specialist but there's really no such thing it's not like the, the, we are we are learning so much about executive always. functioning Always. On a daily basis. There's no support. whoever chocolate chip speechy is. You have to come back every week. You yeah. are the best. She has been commenting yeah, over or he. I she's guess I great. shouldn't assume it's a she. Whoever chocolate chip speechy is, DM us. Let us know who you are. You're amazing. We love you. She's so awesome. okay. Hey, so this next book week, fits right in the stocking. Oh my gosh, right. it totally does. Look, I could go put it in the Boom. stocking right now, but I'm attached, so I won't. So and Linda, um, what what's your next book going to be on? Do you have any any plans? Um. Not totally yet. I'm, I'm waiting totally to be inspired. Co-regulation okay. handbook came really quickly because I knew there was just more. It's it's all about its partner. So I can't wait to read this. It is yeah. in my sensory course. I have a three-hour course called Making Sense of Sensory. And it's really what SLPs need to know about sensory because, you know, mm -hmm. it's really hard to work on speech and language with kids who are dysregulated. And so one of the first things I talk about in that course is the importance of co-regulation. So I am know I'm going to be updating oh, yeah. that course once I read this because now nice. I'm going to have the um, uh, uh, magic from uh, the amazing uh, Linda Murphy uh, to add <laughs> to my, my course. So you are like my new idol. I, I just appreciate. <laughs> you so much you have no idea um and it is uh mike thank you for reaching out to her and asking to join because i just feel like these this these next couple weeks are going to be phenomenal so hey this is this is such a treat to the chapter chat community who have been so great to to the both of us for so long now now to have the author here describing oh, it's from, so great. From everything 
uh, I think this is great. And this is just going to continue to build the community. Absolutely. So what Mike and I ask is that you tell your friends, tell your colleagues, we really want to build the chapter chat community. We feel like we're doing something important here. And um, most of us are too busy to take the time to read a lot of these reference books. So Mike and I are doing the hard work for you. We're reading it That's for right. you. And then we're opening it up, you know, into a somewhat semi-structured uh, conversation, if you will, discussion. And I feel like uh, based on the feedback, wouldn't you agree, Mike, the feedback we've gotten that this is making a difference hey not only are we reading it for everyone we're highlighting we're underlining <laughs> we're taking notes on every single page just for you guys we're doing all the spark notes for you guys that's but right yeah, ellen is, thank you ellen thank you for sharing it to your uh, with your granddaughter's daycare how awesome is that that's really cool that's, that's really amazing cool. You guys rock. Okay, I'm going to go watch some football. I need 38 points from my players tonight to win my fantasy game. So okay. I have to go. I've got three players playing. Cooper so, Cup. Um, Cooper Cup, baby. There Cooper Cup all the way. <laughs> so, okay. So we will see both of you next week. Same time, same place. And we're going to start with Chapter 6. And if we get to Chapter 7, we'll go for it. Does that sound good? Mm-hmm. Like a plan. Thank you yep. so awesome. much, Linda. Linda. Thank you. You're Thank the best. You All right. We'll You're see you guys best. later. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.